stand your feet. We're going to sing In the Sweet Forever. What a happy time for some glad tomorrow when we lay these heavy burdens down. In the songs of valley, in the songs of valley, no more to roam, have labored on through joy and sorrow, hoping to receive the golden crown. It'll all be joy, it'll all be joy, that happy home, in the beautiful city, beautiful city,
everybody meet and greet. Say hello to everybody. Let's say a prayer before we start. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you. I pray that you will bless those that give and those that have not to give. pray that you'll lift them up, that we'll use this for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that you will continue to abide with each of us and help us, Lord. Through this service today, I pray that you will take the words that we use, songs that we sing, Lord, all for your glory. Help us, Lord, to do that in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Say hello to everybody. temple to give you glory, Lord. Lift you, Lord. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I don't, I, let me say, it's so good to see everybody here today. Uh, let me say, no, I was not just sitting in my office watching you guys uh, out there by myself. I've already preached one service today, so I was coming in on about mm, two and a half wheels uh, into the parking lot. Uh, I'm not sure the other wheel and a half has still touched the ground yet. It's somewhere out there, and, uh, but it'll, it'll, it'll settle eventually. Um, but, uh, no, I, uh, I was at another location and, and, um, this morning, and uh, so I uh, was trying to get here as fast as I can. I do appreciate all the folks that have uh, helped today uh, by allowing uh, them to cover till I could get here. I just want to make a couple quick things before we go uh, moving forward with our uh, rest of our service. Um, there's a lot of stuff, and I will have these updated next week. There's a lot of stuff going to be coming up in November. We'll have the, the calendar out for you. Uh, next Sunday morning, um, just didn't get printed in time this week, but a lot of stuff coming up uh, regarding the church and things uh, that are happening. 
Uh, one of those things, obviously we always mention the Nehemiah prayer on Wednesdays, um, but one of the things, don't forget tonight is Family Fest. That's the time when we come together and hang out and have fun together and enjoy just being, being together. And uh, it's going to be a, an exciting time uh, together. So make sure you uh, uh, mark that down. Come and support. Bring your friends, your family, coworkers, anybody. Invite your neighbor. Put it on Facebook. Help us, help us with that. But on November the 19th, we're going to have a family uh, Thanksgiving dinner together right after church. Uh, we'll, we'll provide some of the meats and things for you, so you don't have to worry about that. But we're just asking you to bring your favorite dishes and desserts. Um, and, uh, you know, let's just have a time in the back where we just celebrate together and being thankful for what all God's done. And so we're wanting to make mention of that to you as well. Also, uh, we are big supporters of CLM, uh, Change Lives Ministries. Uh, for those of you that know uh, what that is, uh, we support them immensely. And uh, they have a, a, an annual tournament that they do. Uh, that helps raise their budget for the year uh, as long as well as some other little odds and ends and so um, at the end of service today we're going to take up a special offering uh, after service when you leave just like we do all our special offerings when you leave if you want to give towards it just put it in there and uh, and and uh, we'll go from there when I finish the message today I'm going to play a short uh, about a one minute video of what CLM does so you know what you're giving to so you don't think you're just giving to something you don't know anything about so make sure that you're uh, you're mindful of that as well um, also just uh, quickly a couple uh, prayer requests um, Sister Ashley Harley asked for a special request uh, regarding um, one of her children just an unspoken request she wants us to remember them in prayer um, and, and so I told her that we would absolutely do that and, uh, and so I want to make mention of that request. Uh, this time, Brother Randy is going to come, and he's going to lead us in our scripture and prayer and any other announcements I may have missed. But God bless you, and be back shortly. And we are so glad he made it. At least this week, I didn't forget to call the ushers up like I did the time before. <clears throat> You'll notice in my Bible, I've got all the notes I had this morning for my Sunday school class, so I don't have to worry a whole lot about it, because Sister Tina almost always beats me to the scripture that I need to use, and she does a great job, and I thank you very much for that. I have a praise report this morning before I start. Uh, Carol was in the hospital uh, Friday night, and uh, her heart rate went up to 197. Uh, we prayed, and uh, the Lord got us to MUSC, and everything went well. They gave her some deltaism, and everything in the heart came back down. And uh, I want to thank the Lord for that. Uh, I'm, I think the pastor would appreciate, you know, would appreciate the fact that she was here to play this morning uh, because he wasn't going to be here. So, uh, but the Lord really did bless us, and I thank him for that. Uh, Stan and Brenda Frierson are not feeling well, so remember them when we go to prayer today and lift them up. And uh, there are others in the congregation who are sick, and I pray that you will continue to be with them, keep them in your prayers. Uh, I try to pray for everybody in here every night. Now, you know, different people do things different ways, and I understand that. But to me, you're my family, and I pray for my family. And so my prayer list tends to grow, and I'm hoping that it gets so long I might start forgetting people. So uh, the more names we add to the list, the better off, because the Lord's going to have to bring it to my remembrance, and he'll hopefully bless all of you. But today... I want to talk about Psalms 25. Now, I read the first seven uh, verses of this at some earlier date. I don't remember when. I don't keep track of when I read them all. But unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let, 
me not be ashamed, but let mine enemies try over me. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, and thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him that he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, and he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Now, I chose that particular chapter in Psalms, partly based on current events that's going on in Israel, because I believe if we lift Israel up, that we'll be favored as well. And I firmly believe, and I pray every night, that God keep your hand of protection around them and don't lift it away from them. Uh, we've got to just continue to pray for them because that's, that's tough. Uh, I've been over there. It's a, a beautiful place in some places and absolutely desolate in others. And where they're fighting right now is tough, rough, dry, uh, hot, and uh, just miserable conditions for the troops, miserable conditions for the people that are innocent and getting caught in the middle of all this. So I just pray the Lord will protect and guide all of them, but especially protect Israel because everybody, like the, like the verse says here, Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. And that's the absolute truth. Everybody that surrounds Israel hates Israel. So let's continue to keep them in our prayers. Remember the prayer request that I asked for earlier. Remember that next week is Pastor Appreciation. I get that right. Is that correct? He thought I was going to forget it. If you have something you'd like to give to the pastor, a card or something, put it. There will be a basket out front. Uh, we really appreciate the pastor, his wife, and his family, and pray that uh, they'll continue to be here for a long time. So with that said, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you, Lord. Lord, to thank you for what you have done. Lord, to thank you for what you will do. Lord, and thank you for what you have done in the past. I pray that you will continue to abide with us, continue to keep us. Lord, I pray that you will continue to watch over Israel and not remove your hand of protection from around them. I pray that you will continue to fight their battles for them, Lord, and confound their enemies. Lord, I pray that you will be with our pastor this morning. He's already preached a sermon. I pray that you will be with him in his throat and his voice. I pray that you will lift him up and strengthen him. Thank you, Lord, for such a great pastor and great shepherd that continues to care for his flock. 
pray that you will be with each of us, Lord, and help us to do as you would have us to do. Pray that you will continue to lift us up and help us, Lord, that we can take your message that he gives to us this morning further and use it for thy glory. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand all over the house this morning and let's jump back into worship. Together, let's sing this old praise chorus. In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Jesus, wonderful. All the 
asking, Lord, in the next few moments, Lord, I know we have a lot of fun activities and things planned today for the rest of our afternoon, but God, I'm asking today, God, in this moment, that we just, for the next few moments, block out all of the distractions and things that may be going on in our lives, and today, God, let's hear from your word, let's hear from heaven today. Father, I pray that you would be with the eyes, hearts, and ears of this people today. Let us hear. God, what thus saith the word of the Lord, not what a man says today. Lord, I thank you for the worship that's been offered in this place to set the atmosphere and tone for the people of God in this house. Father, I give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. And together the people of God said, Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 13. Don't forget we are in a series called Inheritance. We are finishing up, hopefully today, that last installment of that series. Uh, please pray for Brother Stan and Sister Brenda. Sister Brenda is having a really, really difficult time. She's real dizzy, um, uh, like vertigo type stuff. You know she recently had surgery. Brother Stan is supposed to start surgery this week, so she really can't afford to be battling dizziness and being bedridden because Brother Stan with his back needs relief and he's going to have surgery. So we want to make sure we remember them. Uh, I know Brother Randy mentioned it, but they really are in a fix today. And uh, remember my dad, I, I got word he is sick today uh, and not feeling too well today. So I, I want to pray that he gets feeling a little bit better and uh, hopefully we'll be back to doing the things he enjoys doing. And so we want to pray for him today as well. Proverbs chapter 13, we're only going to read verse, one, uh, verse uh, 22, just one verse of scripture. This is what the word of the Lord says today. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's your grandchildren. Some of y'all already been doing that. Some of y'all already got your will changed to grandchildren. Your children don't even matter anymore. You're, you're straight in grandchildren, great-grandchildren mode. But he'll leave a good inheritance to his children's children. 
But there will come a day the wealth of sinners will be stored up for the righteous. You can't take it with you when you go. You can be a multi-millionaire here, but when you die, if you don't know Jesus, you're broke. You can't take it with you when you go. The reality of it is, we're going to finish, we've been on this series called Inheritance. Today I want to talk to you on the last will and testament of Jacob, Jack, and Jesus. You're going to know these three characters, I'm going to preach through these three characters very quickly, but the last will and testament of Jacob, Jack, and Jesus. Let's pray together. Eternal Father, I pray to the best of my ability, I preach your word to the people of God. Help me to decree and declare what your word says only, not my words, but your words be spoken. God, let the people of God in this house today, God, hear from heaven. God, I'm asking today you would challenge, chastise, change, and convict the heart of the believer or those that are unbelievers today. Father, I thank you for the worship that's been offered, the scriptures that have been read, the songs that have been sung. But God, now we step into a moment, a divine moment, where the Spirit of God intersects with us today. So Father, today I pray for this word. I pray for the people of God that will hear this word. For that, we give you all the praise, glory, and honor. In Christ's name we pray. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord if you can today. I wonder if anybody in this house today has ever inherited something. Maybe someone has died and left you something. Maybe it was something that belonged entirely to them to choose whatever they wanted to. And because of their will, they left you the belongings of their estate. Things like photo albums, Tupperware, guns, jewelry, houses, cars. Those are just a few things that get left in a last will and testament. These are known as the inherited items. Many of you probably know, and if you don't know, you're going to know by now, there is such a thing called an inheritance tax that is imposed in certain states. You know that it's an inheritance tax is a state tax that you pay when you receive money or property from the estate of a deceased person. Unlike the federal estate tax, the beneficiary of the property is responsible for paying the tax, not the estate, meaning you get it, but you also pay to get it. You give them money for you owning it now. Seems a little unfair, doesn't it? It's crazy to think. Do you realize that when you're gone, your name and your life will leave behind breadcrumbs for generations after you to follow or to be guided by? Have you ever thought about what you're learning, what they are learning from you? It was told one time that Albert Einstein, one time, he was so brilliant, he could do quantum physics and things like that, but he couldn't find his way back home. So it said, it was, the story says, I don't know if it's actually true or not, but the old, old wise tale or story was that Albert Einstein would take bread, and as he was walking from his house, he would drop pieces of bread all the way to where he was going to the school or wherever he was at that day. And his attempt was he was going to hope to find the breadcrumbs when he left, and he would just follow the bread trail to go back home. Well, as you know, he might be gone for a couple hours. Guess what happened to the bread? birds or something ate it. So Albert Einstein, the genius of all genius, the one who could come up with quantum theories and theories of relativity could not find his way back home. Some of y'all couldn't find your way back home without GPS today, but you know what? Just think about it. You're Albert Einstein. You're a genius. If you can't, if you get lost, you're a genius. Albert Einstein was. So for all of you that's ever gotten lost and your husband says, you can't follow directions, say, I'm a genius. Next time he says that to you. The reality of it is Albert Einstein he tried to follow these breadcrumbs. But spiritually speaking, we leave behind things for generations after us to follow. 
Now, what those are is to completely and totally dependent on you. You decide what you're leaving behind. Just like when you decide if you're going to leave behind your guns to a child or you're going to leave behind your car to a certain individual in your family or your house to a certain person in your family. However you decide to do your last will, that's your choice. The same thing spiritually. What you want your children and your grandchildren to follow after, after you're gone is totally dependent on what you leave them to follow. Completely on you. I'm reminded of an article I read some time back about some of the most prestigious universities. Did you know that Harvard College, which was founded in 1638, was founded with a special view to train pastors? Harvard's original intent was to be a seminary for pastors. Up until the 1700s, more than half of the graduates of Harvard University went into the ministry. But by 1869, the spiritual, spirituality of Harvard lay on its deathbed. Yale, from its humble beginnings in 1701, was one of the most conservative schools of the day. Its students addressed students on subjects such as the Bible is God's holy word. Yale had a gospel group that would travel around the country in evangelistic ministry. But once Yale's, what Yale's once evangelical stance soon disappeared, and out of the 400 graduating students, by, by 30 years later, 400 graduating students, 54% of them said they did not believe in the God they heard about. Dartmouth College was founded to train missionaries to the Native Americans. Princeton, in its early days, insisted the faculty be convinced of the necessity of religious experience with God for salvation. Yet both of them left their orthodox paths and now have become secularized. Spirituality and scripture reveals that many will start a race well, but not everybody finishes the race well. You can start this journey on fire for Jesus, but if you die not on fire for Jesus, the last thing people will remember is you not loving Jesus. Now you say, well, Pastor, people are not going to, they remember my past now, all the bad stuff. I'm telling you, if you live for Jesus and you die for Jesus, they'll remember you lived for Jesus and you died for Jesus. You see, a last will and testament is a legalized document stating what your last wishes are and intents are. It can cover categories like wealth, houses, land, cars, jewelry, but it can also cover your health, power of attorney, POAs, and what, what would you like? Do you want to be a DOA? Do you want to, you know, do you want to do not resuscitate, DNRs? Do you want to, do you want to be, uh, do you want to live on life support? If so, how long? Who makes the final call? It gives the people that are after you the opportunity or the legal rights to be able to speak on your behalf. And then that's what Jesus did when he came. He came and he died on Calvary's cross, but when we become saved, and when he sends us the Holy Spirit in our lives, what he has done is he has given us an advocate to speak on his behalf, to represent him in his absence, in his stead. So I want to talk a little bit about this last will and testament of Jacob, Jack, and Jesus. The first thing I want to talk about is the preparation. In order for you to have a will and testament, you have to have to go through a preparation. You have to get all your documents in order. You have to figure out what all you're leaving behind. And you, most people go to a lawyer or someone of that nature that can legalize it, and they go, they sit down, they draft it up, they write this important document, and then in the presence of witnesses, you sign it, they notarize it, etc., so it becomes a legalized document. But there's a lot of preparation that goes into this. In order for someone to receive an inheritance from someone, there has to be preparations made. In the book of Genesis, chapter 48, we find 
in that passage of scripture, Jacob lying on his deathbed. He is given the opportunity to pass on his spiritual blessing to his children. Now you have to understand very quickly, let me take you back to who this man Jacob was. Jacob was the deceiver, the supplanter. He was the one that had lived a hard life. He had tricked his brother out from the first fruits of the inheritance of the birthright of Isaac. He, had tri- he, was, he was tricked by his uncle Laban regarding his own wife. Jacob had reaped what he had sown. But after many years of God continuing to bless him in spite of his frailties and failures, it's now Jacob's time to pass on his lineage, his inheritance, his legacy to the next generation. He's had a name change on his way of journey of faith from Jacob to, to the prince of Israel, or what we call Israel today, a transformation of heart. He has a limp. He has to walk with a cane. His life had been forever altered by Jesus Christ. He gathers all his children around him. He's getting ready to pass on his covenant of faith. Joseph brings his two boys in, Ephraim and Manasseh, to be blessed of his father. But Jacob does something that's unorthodox. He does something that is not normal, but is out of character for the passing of the inheritance and covenant. Jacob knew what life was like being the second and and being the supplanter. So instead of letting his grandchildren, think about it, a good man leaves a good inheritance to his children's children. That's your grandchildren. Instead of Jacob watching his grandsons, he was about to die. But instead of setting up his grandchildren for failure and, and, and jealousy, Grandpa Jacob brings them in so that nobody else, because when you had a patriarch of the faith, whatever they said, whoever the patriarch of the family was, their word was as good as their bond. That's what stood the test of time. Joseph puts his hand on Manasseh, the oldest, takes Jacob's hand, puts his right hand on Manasseh, and puts his left hand on Ephraim. And with his eyes closed, Jacob switches his hands. Go read it. He switches over, he crosses over his hand so that his right hand is now on Ephraim and his left hand is on Manasseh. And Joseph gets mad. Joseph said, no, 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 dad. That's not how that works. The oldest, the oldest, the oldest. Jacob knew that feeling. Esau was the oldest. But Jacob went around about around it the wrong way to get the inheritance. But this time, Jacob's going to learn from his mistakes and not cause his grandchildren to have failure along the way. Because a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. He swaps the hands and he prophetically speaks over the lives of Ephraim and Manasseh. It was a preparation, a going against the grain. The story of Joseph reminds me of the young man who said, to some of his friends one day, I have dreams of making a million dollars just like my father. One of his friends said, when did your dad make millions of dollars? The man replied, he didn't. He had dreams too. That's what Joseph was. Joseph didn't come from money, per se. I mean, he was blessed, but nothing compared to being second in command of an entire nation. He had a dream. But his dreams led to the fulfillment of God's plan for his life. And Jacob on his deathbed, the Bible says when Jacob arrived to Egypt, even Pharaoh recognized something special was in that man. Can I tell you that even when you start loving Jesus and you walk with Jesus and you start living 
a life that will be a legacy of an inheritance to pass on. When you do that, other people will take notice even when you don't know they notice. The Bible said when he arrives to Egypt and, and Pharaoh tells Joseph to, to, to put his family in Goshen for it was a land and they could herd cattle and shepherds and do all that stuff. He asks though for Jacob to come and bless Egypt. He called for reinforcements. Jacob went and prophetically spoke blessings over the life of Pharaoh, the enemy. Because Jacob knew what it was like to not have God, what it was like when he found God. Jacob is walking with a limp and a cane. Every morning when he gets up and that left or right side is killing him with pain and debilitating, he has to reach for his cane to grab it to walk. It's a constant reminder of the moment he wrestled with God across from the river and him and God had a moment one-on-one. -on -one. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And God touched the side of his hip and it came out of socket. And for the rest of his life, every morning, though it was painful, though it took work, every morning he limped, he was a reminder that he was nothing without God. Nothing. That's the inheritance that Jacob wants to leave behind to his children's children. God's going to be with you, Ephraim. God's going to bless you. Out of you, Ephraim, Bethlehem, Ephraim, there will come a nation. Out of you, Ephraim, God's going to do something in you, son. Preparation. You can't have the promises of God without progress and process. But you can't have process without being prepared. You can't just walk into a situation and just hope it works out. You sometimes got to be prepared for what you're walking into. Certain situations in life, you can't just fly by the seat of your pants. Sometimes you've got to do preparation prior to application. My wife serves as a charge nurse downtown. If she didn't go to school and she didn't take the NCLEX, but one day she watched Dr. 911 on Discovery Channel and decided she stayed in a Holiday Inn Express one night and walks downtown and says, you know what, I think I can do nursing now. How many of you want her to serve you that day? Nobody? Nobody? Because I can tell you right now, she wouldn't touch me. You do. You got more faith than I do. Why? Because she was not prepared. She had not studied to show herself approved, rightly dividing the word. She had not, she had not sought the hand of God. She had not taken the NCLEX to see if she remembered the information that had been taught to her. But now that she prepared, she went and she took uh, years, uh, quite a few years back, she went and she took what they called the NCLEX. She took it. She passed. You know what she got when she passed? RN. You know why? Because they could find out she knew what she had prepared all along to do. Now she practices applies what she's learned but there's a preparation can I tell you you can't start applying God's word till you first prepare yourself to get into God's word you got to open the book you've got to read the book you've got to pray you got to fast there's an, an element of, of preparation before you can have application Jesus taught us that John 14 I go to prepare a place it's not pre-built I'm going to make it ready so when you get there it's ready prepare it process the gospel writers tell us where your treasure or where your treasure is there your heart preparation where are you laying up your treasures the next thing is though the procurement how do you get your inheritance well in the last will and testament you got to be in the will you can't just walk up and probate and say you know what i know i knew sister sally she went to my church so you know what i feel like that that she would want me to have XYZ. If you're not listed in the legal document for XYZ, guess what you will not get? XYZ. You can know Sister Sally your whole life, but you've got to be in the will. 
In order for us to get heaven, we've got to be in the will of God. You've got to be on the book. You've got to be on the paperwork. You've got to be on the legalized documents of heaven. You see, there's a process that has to be done to procure, if you will, the inheritance. You see, you, you have to meet the qualifications or the demands. In order to go to heaven, you've got to meet the qualifications and the demands. Everybody doesn't go. I'm sorry. They just don't. People go to hell. I'm sorry. They do. Does God want anybody to go to hell? No. I, the Bible said that Jesus said, I wish that none should perish but all. But some people re reject the gift. So everybody doesn't get to go. Everybody has the opportunity to go. Everybody has the access to go. But if you don't take it, you don't go. It's that simple. You have to meet the qualifications. What does a prophet, Mark 8, 36 to 38, what does a prophet of man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? You're a multimillionaire, but you die without Jesus, and you die lost. You're broke. You've lost it all. It'd be better to be broke on this side of heaven and be a billionaire on the other side. It's where you lay your treasure. Inheritance was mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. God mentioned something that many times. Obviously, it's something he is trying to get attention. In fact, from the Garden of Eden, God would walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. Joshua 13 and 33 reminded the tribe of Levi that God would be their inheritance. God sent his own son to take away the debt I could not repay and promised me a place in heaven above for a free exchange. God has always been in the inheritance distribution business. You don't earn an inheritance, you're given an inheritance. You can't earn salvation, but you can be given salvation. You can't earn heaven, but you can be given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. In fact, some people think God owes them something, but if we were really given what we deserve, we wouldn't want it because the only thing we deserved was hell. If God gave us, if we said, God, you owe me, if God really gave us what he owed us, it wouldn't be mercy and grace. It'd be hell. That's what you'd be getting instead. Oh, I know this is not an exciting way you want to go out today. Like, oh, can't wait for my inheritance. But I'm trying to tell you, you won't get an inheritance if you don't live right. So before you can enjoy the streets of gold, the jasper walls, the gates of pearl, you first got to know Jesus. Hello. The reality of it is that, that you, can't accept, you can't separate it. If God gave us what we deserve, it's not what we'd want. Thank God he didn't give me what I deserved. He gave me what he could buy on his own. He gave me his mercy. He gave me his grace. I don't deserve it, but yet, and I could not earn it, but yet he freely gave. The only way we can obtain that is going through the doorway of heaven. Supreme sacrifice, the Lamb of God. But you can have your name on the rostrum of a will and testament. It can be outlined, but if you don't follow the protocols, you don't get it. For example, number three, you have to partake of it. If your brother calls you on the phone and says, Hey, Mom and Dad left you the jewelry or the Tupperware. You need to swing by the house and get it before we, you know, bring in goodwill to pack everything up. And you say, all right, I appreciate that, and you never go. Do you get the Tupperware? No, you don't. Or the jewelry. You have to put action to the process. You might be on the book or the will, but there's actions that have to be taken. 
in order for your name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you got to take some actions. You don't get to go to heaven just because you said, and now I lay me down and sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep kind of prayer. After you get saved, the Bible gives us instructions. We're supposed to do stuff. Go ye therefore in the highways and byways and compel them to come. Go into Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. Go and be my disciples, baptizing them, teaching them all I've Jesus says, after we get saved, it's time to get to work. We have to partake. We have to receive. Preparation is good. But you have to also be a partaker. I want to talk just briefly. I've talked about Jacob. Then I want to talk about Jack. Jack's a unique guy. He is famous for his spiritedness. No, not his personality, but rather his ability to create something that many of you have probably seen in your lifetime. Now, before everybody decides to put on Facebook that the pastor brought Jack Daniels, I had a buddy give me an empty bottle that he found years ago. And I washed it out. That is nothing more than sweet tea in that bottle. It's just made that color to make you think that's what I bought. Because in a moment, when I pour it in this glass, I don't want anybody to say I'm drinking in church. So I want that record to be clear. Some of you in this room, you've had this when it wasn't tea in the bottle. It was a real deal. Now, I want you to understand something. Let me explain this. Jack was known for his alcohol and his whiskey. The Jack Daniels Distillery was established in 1866. The first registered distillery in the United States, born in Jasper Newton, born in the U.S. by, by a man named Jasper Newton Daniel, where it got its namesake. It is known for its old number seven logo and a taste that is so popular. By 1904, Jack's infamous whiskey had earned a gold medal at the World's Fair. And the secret to Jack's award-winning flavor is a limestone spring water, which it still resources today in Lynchburg, Tennessee location. His original recipe, which remains unchanged, also includes the right amount of corn, rye, and barley. It all started when Jack ran away from home after his mother and father both had died. Prior to his father's death, his father remarried, but Jack despised his stepmom. And he was taken in by a local preacher. It's a true story. By the man by the name of Daniel Call. Daniel Call taught Jack about the distilling business. So you don't understand what you're teaching may lead someone down a wrong path. The preacher takes him in, but Jack didn't know how to make it until the preacher showed him how to distill it. Come on. There's too many people following pastors that are giving them the wrong stuff from the pulpit. And they're taking it. And they're learning how to make it. And when they make it, they go out there and they live in sin. And they have no one to blame because the preacher gave it to them from the pulpit. Now, I told you a couple weeks ago, I'm getting ready to go on a series of holiness with you. I've been here four years. We're going to preach Jesus now, the real deal. I may lose followers, I may lose friends, may lose some of y'all, but I will refuse, with the way this world is going on the brink of World War III, I refuse to compromise the integrity of God's Word for the sake of mankind. I refuse. <laughs> Mr. Call taught him how to do that. So by 1875, Jack founded a registered distillery business that he went into business with Daniel Call using the money 
from his late father's estate, his inheritance, he used to buy the property. Shortly thereafter, Daniel called, felt convicted about the business and quit due to religious reasons. No dip, Sherlock. Sounded like a smart idea years ago before we started that. So Jack took sole proprietor ownership. In 1884, Jack Daniels purchased the land where the distillery is located today. He ran it until 1907 when he gave the distillery to his nephew, Lemuel Lou Motlow, since he never married nor had children of his own. Motlow operated the distillery for 40 years. In 1910, he challenged the law in a case that went to the Tennessee Supreme Court. Since the statewide prohibition was passed in 1910, the legal distillation of Jack Daniels in Tennessee was not allowed. Now, you obviously know you can still get it. You can find it on every shelf. Preacher, why are you giving us a history lesson on Jack Daniels in church? Especially since we say we're a full gospel church and we abstain from chemical and addictive behaviors such as alcohol and drinking of that nature. Why would you set that up today? I'm going to tell you right now, some of us could learn a lot from old Jack. Some of us could learn a lot from the drunks that Jack helped to create drunks. See, what Jack does to one negatively, the Holy Spirit can do to one positively. Because Jack will get you drunk on this. But Jesus described the Holy Spirit as the wine of the new covenant. And if you've ever been in a good Pentecostal service and you got drunk by the Holy Ghost, you feel like you're drunk by Jack. But I can promise you, you don't have the hangover near as bad as Jack. I want to also say, no one ever gets influenced by Jack by looking at a bottle. You can walk by the Red Dot store, you can walk by the counter, and you can look at it sitting on the shelf just like this. You don't get drunk because you saw it. You don't get drunk because you see it sitting behind the counter at Applebee's. You don't get drunk looking at it. You don't get influenced by just being near. Me just holding Jack right now is not going to make me drunk. Me just looking at this bottle does not get me drunk. In order for me to get drunk, I have to. Now, I thought about bringing a Coke up here, but I really wasn't sure that Coke and tea would taste good together. And I only know that that's what people use with it because I Googled it because I didn't even know how this stuff worked. This is all Google. Even if I pour it in a glass, Brother Wayne, that was a clear glass, uncontaminated, clean, purified, had no spots or blemishes. Even by pouring it into a glass, I still can't get drunk. I'm close to it. I can look at it. I can even hold it. But it'll have no effect on me. But when I... It begins to take effect that quick. In fact, according to science, it only takes about five ounces or the equivalent of four to five shots of Jack Daniels for one to be completely incapacitated and drunk. Five ounces. That's less than a cup of water. Five ounces. That's how strong it is. This doesn't get me drunk. It's when. So, Pastor, what are you trying to tell me today? I'm telling you that people come to God's house the same way they came in, and they leave the same way they came in. You know why? Because they come and they just look at what church is doing. They don't get drunk by the Spirit because they never get affected because you know what they do? They just sit and look. 
they look at the singers. They look at the preacher. They look at the Sunday school teacher. They don't engage. They just look. Looking's not enough. Yes, I know the Bible says looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. But after you look, you've got to go find. Can't just look. You see, people come to God's church. They don't partake. They don't clap their hands. They don't pray when others are praying. They don't sing. They don't open their Bibles, both digital or hard copies. They don't get involved at all. But then they want to know why they don't feel God at all. Well, I'll tell you why. Because you can be in the proximity. You can be close. You can be, look. how do you know, preacher? Well, there was a Bible talk all the time that there was throngs of people, multitudes of people that followed Jesus, that walked with Jesus, were in close proximity of Jesus, but not every one of them got a healing. Not every one of them got a blessing. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible said there was a crowd thronging. You know why she got healed? Because she didn't just look to Jesus. She didn't just get close to Jesus. She made sure she partook about the time she spent with Jesus. It wasn't just being by association. She got application here's the problem people would rather be on their cell phones when I'm preaching than listening to what I'm preaching let's go a step further people want to be tro trolling Facebook to see what they want to buy on marketplace to purchase after church rather than open their Bible app I'll be honest with you, the worst thing that ever happened was people being able to have internet access to be able to open their Bibles because we think you're reading your Bibles when I can't prove it. Back in the day, the only way I knew it is if I could see it by you actually opening your Bibles. Nowadays, you can have it on a digital device and I could think you're watching and reading the Word of God and you could be coley in left field and no one knows about it because you can hide it from me, but you can't hide it from God. They'd rather be on Twitter, they'd rather be checking and liking pictures on Instagram They'd rather be taking selfies and sending them on Snapchat to the person in the section across from them. So that everybody's phone goes off at the same time. They'd rather watch TikTok videos with the mute button on so they can at least watch what's going on, but nobody around them knows what's going on. Shopping and scrolling on the internet to pass the time, playing their game like Monopoly Go while church is happening. Nobody preached once today, so I'm feeling real good right now real good and I don't get to preach tonight so I'm feeling real real good I get to have fried Oreos and cotton candy and hopefully a job but it's good right now feeling, I don't know if it's anointed or that tea but something's kicking in right now it's it's great yeah if it's this good some of y'all should have some tea when you leave today too See, the problem, we live in a generation in our world today that most people, we're not concerned about their spirituality as much as we're concerned about them just making us look good on social media and other things. Churches will put anything and everything in the pulpit. They don't care where their spirituality is as long as they make them look good. We've got teachers and pastors and apostles and preachers and elders all over this place. Got people in leadership positions that ain't no more saved than your dog at home right now, but they lead it, let them be in leadership just because it makes them look good. I didn't say you're going to like it. I'm just telling you the truth. Dude, I, 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 I believe with all my heart. There's a lot of people go to church, but they ain't a part of the church. They ain't a part of the blood blood of the redeemed. They're just treading water with the redeemed. They're in the proximity of God's presence, They're the pro but they don't ever partake. You know how you can really tell when somebody really, really, really just loves church? Like this. My favorite thing to know, I can always tell when someone really loves church because this is how they come into church every day. 
Good song. Good song, Sister Sherry. Sweet forever. Happy we'll be when the ages fly. God bless you. I'm not flying because I'm bitter, but God bless you and living forever with Jesus. We try to sing about the beautiful city and being a part of the family of God, and we look like we ate an entire lemon orchard before we got to church. There's so much sourness to us, you couldn't even put enough sugar on it to even make you be semi-tasty. Hello. I ain't talking about the world, I'm talking about the church. I know we got visitors today. I apologize. I'm not normally this way. I'll get better next week. I don't always drink in the pulpit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't know you were going to be here today. I apologize in advance. See, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need people to tell me they're saved. I'll know it because they'll be different. They'll work for Jesus. They'll work for God. They'll, their fruits will bear. They'll, we'll, you'll know. You'll know. Bible says not to judge, but it also told me to be a fruit inspector. Sometimes I need to make sure the apple tree produces apples and not oranges. Because if my apple tree ain't producing apples, then something's wrong with the tree. Hello. And the Bible says he is the vine. We're the branches. So if I'm not producing fruit, it ain't the vine's fault. I mean, it ain't the, it ain't the, the, the vine, if you will, fault. It's the branch's fault that ain't doing so. Something's wrong with the tree. Hello. See, there's no tarrying in church. No participation, no involvement. People are not receiving anything because God doesn't see anything to do about giving them because they're not doing anything. But I'll tell you a couple things I learned about alcoholics. And I didn't even ask any. I just Googled these. And all, anybody that's ever been an alcoholic before at the end of church, if you know these will be true, please stand at the back door and tell everybody that the pastor is a genius today just so they know. We can learn a few things. This is a part of Jack's last will and testament. This is what Jack teaches me. An alcoholic becomes an alcoholic because he has a thirst for Jack. He doesn't want to look at Jack. He doesn't want to just hold Jack. He wants to taste Jack. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. He wants, he has a thirst. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be thirst. You see, they only get under the influence of Jack when they have a thirsting for Jack. The only way you're going to ever be changed by the Holy Ghost in your life is when you have a thirsting for the things of God. And you want more of God. You've got to have a thirsting. Alcoholics can have a thirst for it, but they've got to do something to it. They've got to turn the glass up so that it actually goes down. We as Christians, we need to do the same thing. We need to come into his house with thanksgiving, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. I'll say this is the day that the Lord has made and we'll rejoice. The, uh, Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We've got to turn up our worship from time to time. We've got to worship a little bit better. We've got to stand. We've got to clap. We've got to shout. We've got to turn up our praise. We've got to open up our Bibles. We've got to turn up our prayers. We've got to remember, he saved me. He sanctified me. He delivered me, so I've got to give him everything I've got in response from that. Turn it up. Alcoholics get filled with Jack because they keep drinking. Shot after shot after shot of Jack. To the point it changes them. They keep partaking and partaking. I want to tell you something about Jack. Watch this. You pour all this, you pour Jack in here. 
And you decide, you know what, I'm having a bad day. The old Despicable Me movie said, I'm having a bad, bad day. It's about time that I get my way. Steamrolling whatever I say, Despicable Me. Some of us are like that. We are some despicable people. We're so disgruntled with our lives and so disgruntled with church. and We're having bad, bad days, and we want to just sit back sometimes and tell God, God, it's about time I get what I want now. Bless God. It's my turn. I don't care if Sister Sally got a healing. God, it's my turn. Where's my miracle? See, what happens is, if I start drinking Jack enough, what's going to happen is, I'm going to talk different. My words aren't going to make sense. I'm going to have slurred speech. Drunk people have them all the time. They carry on a conversation. After they, after they got real good and into it, they're like, you're like, what? You need an interpreter, hello preacher, to tell you what they just, what, what did you just say? Okay. Right? Their talk takes different. They walk different. They start walking like this before Jack. But after Jack gets in them, they're kind of crooked. That's why they tell you to walk the line when they pull you over. You know why? Because you can't walk straight. So walk's different. You talk different. You walk different. They start loving people they don't even know. They ain't never met that dude today in his life. They ain't never met Standing right beside him, some dude they never met about. What's up, man? You're like my best friend, man. I see you. Boy. Come here, give me some hug, bro. Give me some hug, bro. They don't know that dude from nowhere. They're just loving on him. You know why? Because they're, in, they're influenced by Jack, the alcohol. They're loving anybody they can love on. It don't matter who it is. They're loving everybody. They start laughing, having a good old time. Everything's funny. They're laughing. They're so drunk. Everything's funny. They're laughing. They fall out the chair. They're laughing. Somebody trips over to school. They're laughing about everything. They'll cry. They'll get emotional. Ephesians 5 says this, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul says, When we keep taking, partaking the things of God, after a while the things of God will overtake you. Now watch this. If I take this, Brother Wayne, my walk's different. But when the Spirit of God moves on my life, I'll also walk different too. Because when the Holy Ghost comes, I don't walk the same path I used to walk. I'm walking a different way. When I'm drunk with Jack, my talk's different. I'm slurred of speech and nobody can understand what I'm saying. Well, I'm sorry if you're here and you don't know what Pentecostals are. But we have this thing called a prayer language that comes from heaven. And there are times when I don't know what else to pray. The Holy Spirit comes into my heart. And you may not understand what I say, and you may not understand what I say. It sounds like I'm just speaking a bunch of gibberish words. But there is one, one high priest, a mediator between God and man, who serves as the interpreter of the brethren. Now, sometimes God lets somebody, but when the Holy Spirit comes into my life and starts working, I'm going to start talking different. Not only with a heavenly language people can't understand, but I ain't going to be cussing out the person at Walmart, and I'm not going to be blessing the people out at the restaurant because I'm going to walk different. I'm going to talk different. But when you, somebody really gets the power of God in their lives and starts walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, they'll start loving people they never loved before. They'll start looking at sinners and saying, 
today and you can be a sinner saved by grace. They won't be judgmental. They won't be condescending. But they'll be saying, whosoever will, let them come and meet Jesus. They'll start loving people they've never loved on before. So they'll walk different. They'll talk different. They will learn to love people differently. But the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God is the administrator. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Once I get into the presence of Almighty God, I can be in the middle of hell's fury and hell's battle. But the joy of the Lord can be my strength. I can be in the midst of a battle raging all around me. But the Bible says the Lord gives beauty for ashes and he gives strength to those that are weary. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as of eagles. They shall walk and not grow weary and run and not faint. The joy of the Lord shall become my strength. When the Spirit of God starts moving, Miss Carol, you make your way. When the Spirit of God starts moving, they can't control their emotions anymore because they are undone by the presence of God. There's an old song that says, I'm undone by the mercies of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. How could I want more? That's it. That's the story. That's the story. Because when I get in the presence of God, sometimes I can't help but cry. I don't need to be, I'm not worthy, God. I don't deserve you, God. I, I'm, not, I'm not one that should be standing behind this pulpit, God. I don't deserve any of this. God. Jacob passed his inheritance, his lineage. His last will and testament was grandchildren. A good man will leave behind an inheritance to his grandchildren. Jacob said, sons, you ain't going to walk the way I walk. I'm going to speak prophetically so you don't have to walk the same roads I've walked. Jack's story is, you get a hold of God, you'll walk different, talk different, have the joy of the Lord, you'll speak differently, you'll love on people, you'll be emotionally undone by the presence of Jesus. If you get in with Jesus, He'll change your life. Be not with drunk, uh, with wine and sense, but be filled by the Spirit of Almighty God. He'll change who you are. So, Pastor, you never touched on Jesus. Yes, I did, because he's the author and perfecter of it all. He's the one that wrote the book. He started from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and he's writing your story right now that you don't even know how it ends yet. Because Jesus did give his last will and testament. Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. But God, it is finished. I did it. I did it. Everything you needed to be done, God, I did it. One day Jesus is going to come, blow that trumpet. Everybody's going to get out of here that loves Jesus. Dead in Christ first. Those alive remain up next. Lamb's book of life is going to be open. Seals open. Books from the pages of Scripture open. You know what the last will and testament of Jesus was? Behold, I come quickly. Watch, watch this. Watch this. I'm going to pull it out real quick for you, and then I'm going to pray. I don't know if you guys in the back can do this for me or not in the scripture, but I want you to pull up Revelation 22, 20, and 21. Revelation chapter 22, verse 20 and 21. If you, when you get it, if you can throw it up on that screen. Watch. Last thing Jesus said. The very last thing in your Bible. He gave us a will and testament. Just talk. If you got your Bible, go to go Revelation 22, verse 20. If you're on your digital Bible and you're playing Monopoly, go right now. I hope your phone dies and never wakes back up again a day in its life. I hope your Verizon insurance is ran out too. 
Revelation 22, verse 20. Watch this. Watch this. This is Jesus talking. The last thing he says is will and testament. This is he who testifies these things. And he says, surely I am coming quickly. The last thing Jesus said. Pay attention, church. Coming. Coming. If you don't think this stuff happening over on the other side of the world ain't setting up Jesus' words have ever been true, they're true. I am coming. Last thing he said on earth was, it is finished before he died. When he resurrected, he said, God, he died. It was, it is finished. I've done it. The last thing he said before he ascended to the clouds of glory is, I'm coming again. I'll receive you unto myself. The last thing he told John in the portals of heaven, tell everybody when you get back down there on Patmos, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. So, Pastor, what's I got to do with inheritance? I'm telling you right now, you're closer to finding out if you're a part of the inheritance than you've ever been before. You better make sure you're right because he's coming. Yeah, I don't know if it'll be today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, but I'm going to tell you right now, your inheritance is hanging in the balance of heaven. He's coming. He's coming. But you know how you're going to receive it? Can't just look at him. Can't just hold him from time to time when it's convenient. You have to taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Happy are those that have refuge in him. Now, you say, Pastor, you giving me permission to go out today and buy Jack Daniels? No, I'm not. I ain't never told you you can do that. I just get it as an illustration. That is sweet tea 100%. I'll let your children try to prove it. I'm going to tell you right now, forget if it's Jack Daniels, forget if it's alcohol. Whatever your issues are, you better get them under the blood. Or you're going to miss your moment with God. Look, I'm not here to play games with you anymore. And Tonight, I'll go out here, I'll jump on jump castles, I'll probably sprain an MCL, ACL, throw out a hip, I'll probably be in a cast next Sunday morning from all that. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Some are already coming, I'm going to tell you something right now. This guy right here, I'm not missing heaven for nobody. I don't care who you are. You can be afraid of the person beside you, the left of you, the right of you, the front of you, the bottom, I don't care. You can be all you want to be. I'm telling you right now, I ain't jeopardizing eternity for anybody in this room. We got to stop playing games, stop playing with God, stop playing church. We better get right with God and get right in church and get these things right. If you ain't ever experienced the Holy Spirit and the fullness of Him, His power, look, I'm like the Apostle Paul. I wish you all spoke in tongues, you know, but not in desire the gift of prophecy. I'm going to tell you right now, if you've never experienced a Pentecostal outpouring of God's Spirit, you don't know what you're missing. I'm going to tell you right now, when the Spirit walks into church, you the old song says, when the Holy Ghost shows up, we'll have church. That is the truth if I've ever heard it. I love one Sunday not to have to preach. Not because I'm not prepared. I love preaching. But I wish one day God would just walk in this building and say, hey, boy, I don't need you to sit back there and just mind your business. I'll take it from here. And I'll say, yes, sir. It's all on you today. I love that. I remember going to service as a kid. Now I go to church all the time. You don't see nobody even one time clap, much less love Jesus. I'm not saying for us to be some kind of charismatic, crazy bunch of buffoons that are just emotional roller coasters. No, no, no. I'm telling you, I want the Spirit of God. I, I want to carry people out drunk in the Holy Spirit. I've done it before. Andrew used to come to the church. I've carried him out of church drunk with this Holy Spirit in his life. I've watched it happen. I've seen it. He wasn't on dr drinking. He was sober as he could at church. By the time I took him out, Brother Wayne, he couldn't walk. His talk was different. His walk was different. He was stumbling around everywhere because the Holy Spirit was like that in his life. Don't tell me it can't happen. Oh, I want to see our young people poured out. The Holy Ghost just 
boom on their life. That's when you're going to know God showed up. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Two questions today and I'm done. Look, the good news is you don't have to hear me for another week. Anybody in this house say, Pastor, I'm not where I need to be with God today and I need to make sure I'm okay with God on my way to heaven. Right now, if God should come today, I'm not sure I'm going. And I want to make sure that I make that clear with God that I want to be saved today and I want to make sure I'm all right. You don't know if you're saved today. You raise your hand and you're not sure and you want to make sure you're going to heaven. Anybody today? Still won't leave it a second. I don't want anybody to be left out. We're making heaven there a final resting place. Bless you. All right, my last question is this today. For those that are joining online, God bless you. We love you. For those that are online, thank you for being here today. We'll see you next week. The rest of you that are here, feeds are off.